Hi everybody, it's Derek, and this is Foreign Exchanges for April 27th, 2020. Uh, we've got another interview lined up for you guys today. Uh, it is somewhat coronavirus related, pandemic related. Uh, somewhat not, though. Uh, I'm going to be joined here in a moment or two via Skype uh, by Andrew Fishman. Andrew is a returning champion and he's also the managing editor of The Intercept Brazil. Uh, and we're going to be talking about Jair Bolsonaro, the, the colorful uh, character who happens to be president of Brazil and is currently in the midst of what, as far as I can tell, is about a two-month-long complete meltdown. Uh, he's, a, he's a peculiar guy. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Bolsonaro's response to the pandemic, which has been interesting, to say the least. I should say... Uh, that I asked Andrew to do this interview just to talk about the pandemic and Bolsonaro's kind of kind of weird, bizarre fixation on undermining uh, efforts to prevent or limit the pandemic's effect on Brazil. Uh, and then after I had asked him to come on the show to discuss that, uh, there was a huge development in Brazilian politics uh, in which Bolsonaro's super justice minister, uh, he was more than just a regular old cabinet minister, Sergio Moro, uh, resigned, accusing Bolsonaro of improperly trying to uh, involve himself in the affairs of the state police. Why, you ask? Was he trying to improperly involve himself in the affairs of Brazilian uh, federal police? Well, because apparently Brazilian federal police are investigating three of Bolsonaro's sons for corruption. So uh, it's a whole uh, thing that kind of developed uh, just over the past few days, uh, last week, kind of late last week. Uh, so the tone or the, the sort of focus of our interview has shifted a little bit. But I'm going to start uh, it, with the, the coronavirus and the pandemic, because that sort of lays the surreal groundwork for uh, Moro's resignation. Like, like it's, it's, uh, it's all part of kind of the background noise at this point. Uh, and we'll get Andrew to uh, give us some updates on what's happening and uh, what he thinks is likely to happen uh, moving forward. So uh, I'm going to get him on the line and we'll get the interview started. All right, we are joined, we're lucky to be joined by Andrew Fishman, uh, Managing Editor of The Intercept Brazil, uh, and we are going to talk about, uh, I know a lot of, everybody's familiar with the stable genius who is in charge in the United States and is taking us through this uh, trying period with with grace and uh, intellect and and just, you know, a, a general calming presence, but he's not, Donald Trump is not the only stable genius out there uh, and brazil has its own stable genius uh, andrew is going to tell us about how he's uh you know risen to the occasion to uh, to to really shepherd brazil through these trying times uh so andrew thank you for being on the program thanks for having me <laughs> all right so uh needless even to more say, stable was... or more genius sir <laughs> <laughs> needless to say that was all bs uh, the first question I want to ask you is, um, obviously, the, the big news uh, in Brazil uh, over the last few days has been the resignation of Sergio Moro, uh, who is Jair Bolsonaro's justice minister and sort of like super justice minister, uh, in a sense, uh, you know, really, really had kind of expanded powers. And I think, and you could, you know, correct me when we come to this, if I'm wrong, but the man to whom... Uh, Bolsonaro owes his presidency to a, to a great extent. He quit, uh, and not just, he didn't just quit, he quit while accusing Bolsonaro of uh, engaging in 
corruption and trying to influence police investigations. Uh, lots of shady stuff. So I, I want to get to that because that's sort of the big uh, news of the, the, the last few days. But I want to get to it uh, later in the interview. I want to start with the reason that I initially asked you to be on the program, which was to discuss... Uh, the Bolsonaro approach to managing the pandemic crisis, uh, which has been pretty a pretty wild ride to observe from outside of Brazil. And I can only imagine how wild it's been to actually be there watching this man have what is like a two and a half month mental meltdown, um, emotional, mental and emotional meltdown. Uh, so the first question I want to ask you is, uh, this is not hugely relevant to the his management of the crisis, but uh, has Jair Bolsonaro actually had the coronavirus, in your opinion, uh, yes or no? <laughs> huh. Well, if you ask Bo Jair Bolsonaro, he will say absolutely not. But there's a lot of evidence <laughs> that suggests that maybe he is not telling the truth. Um, he went to Mar-a-Lago on a, on a big delegation uh, to visit Trump in uh, the beginning of all this, the beginning of March, which seems like you know, eternity ago. And uh, 22 people from his delegation, I think that's the number right now, uh, that, went on that, that went on that trip with him have, um, have tested positive for coronavirus. And that includes, you know, uh, some of his, you know, closest um, aides. And the hospital that tested them and tested the president made, I guess they don't have uh, very the same as, you know, HIPAA laws like in, in the U.S. They, they released the names of all of the people that tested positive uh, at this military hospital did, that they tested, except they didn't release two names, which they said were um, uh, security secrets, national security issue. And Amongst those two names they didn't release, you know, they didn't have uh, Jerry Bolsonaro's name. So a lot of speculation it could be him and his wife or him and one of his sons. Um, he's been going out to rallies coughing all over the place. You know, he was wearing a mask. He was in quarantine. He, he said that he, got, uh, that he tested negative. Then his son, uh, who's, you know, not known for being the brightest bulb, uh, Congressman Eduardo Bolsonaro, uh, went to, told Fox News that... Uh, his dad's second test came back positive, and then he said, that's not true, that's a lie, and then he, you know, called Fox News fake news, and then <laughs> Fox News, uh, they uh, stood by the story and said that he did, in fact, say, and, like, through his, uh, one of his top aides, and, you know, they're trying to run the whole thing back, and, and so it, what it seems like, and we don't know exactly what happened, because, you know, the, the Congress is, is trying to force him to reveal, re, uh, release his test, which he never did, but it seems like his first test was negative, uh, then his second test, um, maybe it's like during the incubation period, the second test came back positive. Then they, you know, try to cover it up. Um, and so he was in quarantine, but then he broke his quarantine. And it just kind of is very, uh, it's a good place to start with this talk because it really <laughs> kind of shows the, the stupidity and the chaos and the lack of responsibility in this whole situation. And, you know, it, it culminates in uh, last... No, two Sundays ago, he went to a, a rally in Brasilia um, that was in favor of a military coup, in favor of breaking quarantine and ending, you know, social isolation and, you know, basically installing him as the as a non-democratic uh, uh, ruler and shutting down the Congress. Uh, he went to that rally and, and, you know, supporting a military coup is actually illegal in Brazil because they had a military coup, they had a military dictatorship for decades. Um, and he was coughing all over the place, coughing all over his supporters and, and saying that he supported them. Um, and so and he's been going out multiple times to like bakeries and just, you know, doing meetings with with uh, um, supporters without mask on just to kind of be the public face of his message, which is, uh, you know, this coronavirus isn't really a big deal. We need to get over it and, and stop making such a big deal, which is uh, wrong. <laughs> I think I mean the 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 best part of that story to me was the the Fox News report 
that they got from Eduardo Bolsonaro, only to have him turn around and accuse them of lying, <laughs> doing doing fake news, basically after he's the one who told them that the test came back positive. That was that was really the pinnacle of the whole thing. Uh, yeah, it's super fun to troll him on that one too, because you know they love Donald Trump, they idolize Donald Trump. Uh, uh, Bolsonaro posts videos of him live on Facebook, just him watching Donald Trump speaking. Um, oh my God. Like just like the level of sycophancy. And so when Eduardo goes out and, you know, screws up and, and reveals something he wasn't supposed to reveal and then has to backpedal and, you know, their, their go-to is just to, you know, blame the media, the media is stupid and corrupt. Um, you get to troll him and be like, wait, uh, you know, Fox News is, is Donald Trump's favorite news outlet and they're their biggest, his biggest supporters. Are you saying that they're a bunch of liars? Is that, <laughs> is that what you're trying to say? Like, and he had to do this video. He's like, you know, Fox News is actually normally very good. However, in this one instance, they happen to get it wrong. And I don't want to accuse them. It's like, yes, this is fantastic. Well, Trump, I mean, it's, it's funny. I mean, Trump posted this like huge three tweet rant now that he's not doing uh, his daily kind of stand up routine. Uh, because mm-hmm. it was making him look bad, um, he started tweeting a lot more, uh, which also makes him look bad, but to a smaller audience. Uh, and he just yesterday posted this big rant about how unfair Fox News is being to him, uh, and then deleted it later. Like he deleted it overnight, I think. Uh, but it's it's interesting. I mean, yeah, they all turn on each other. I guess you know as soon as something uh, something goes wrong. Uh, but, that's the story of politics in brazil for the last there you uh, go you know two years have been fantastic and and <laughs> like you know everything's really dark and grim and, and terrible and depressing and like there's not a lot of rays of light in this whole situation but watching like the alliances fall apart and then start to snipe at each other in public and, and reveal things it's just it, that's at least you know we have that solace to, <laughs> to look forward to well so a lot of the uh, alliances have been fraying uh over the way that Bolsonaro responded to the the coronavirus. You've got you've you've talked a little bit about this already, but uh, you know he's sort of uh, even more than uh, say Donald Trump, who uh, or his backers, who have been sort of equating uh, the coronavirus with the flu, and they've been comparing like the deaths from the coronavirus to the annual deaths from the flu and wondering, you know, uh, in bad faith, of course, why we were more worried about the thing that's killed that many people in two months than we are about the thing that kills that many people in a year. Um, you know, the, there's been that kind of comparison, but Bolsonaro has actually uh, compared the coronavirus to the common cold, suggesting it's not even as bad as the flu. Uh, and, you know, as you say, he's been kind of uh, out in the streets, shaking hands, coughing on people. Uh, you know, he's been very insistent that uh, it, it's not a big deal. And I, I wonder if you can uh, sort of talk about the dynamics at play here, because it's almost been like, uh, although he is the president of Brazil, Bolsonaro's job for the last couple of months has just been to complain about the governor's kind of uh, almost in a, in a paranoid kind of way, uh, as though they were deliberately imposing these unnecessary lockdowns just to destroy his presidency. And I, I wonder if you can maybe talk about uh, that dynamic and, and how it's played out. Yeah, I mean, he's been totally ridiculous. He's been basically, um, you know, saying that this entire global pandemic is just this this elaborate plot to to mess with his government in Brazil, which is just doesn't make any sense even on the face of it. Uh, you know, all of these other governments around the world are responding with uh, as, if, as if this were very serious. Um, in the beginning, he was sort of just doing a copy paste, um, but turning up the volume a bit on what Trump was saying. You know, in the very beginning, Trump was saying it's no big deal. This isn't this is overblown. It's just uh, media hysteria. And, and Bolsonaro looked at that and you could see him, you know, hitting the same talking points a few hours or a day later, um, straight, straight up. But then, but, you know, he's always putting a little bit more spice on it. So like when he said that, um, uh, you know, Brazilians jump into the sewer and they come out and they don't even get sick, like nothing happens to them. So like this, this little virus isn't going to do anything like, and yeah, he called it a, a grippy zine, like a little flu or a little cold. Um, and, you know, there's all this uh, speculation about him having uh, having it or not. And in a public, you know, address to the nation, a formal address as president, he said um, that it's it's not actually that big of a deal for someone like him because he has, um, you know, he was an athlete. He has a long history of being an athlete. And so therefore, even if he were to get sick, it wouldn't even affect him. So it's no big deal. Um, you know, trying to like just 
nobody wants to stay home, right? Nobody wants to close down their businesses and, and do this, but you need leadership to tell people like why this is important, that you need to do it, and the government's going to support you to make it so that you know, you're not going to starve and you're, you're not going to maybe you know, rent, uh, help with your rent or your bills and keeping people on payroll. Uh, you know, his uh, approach has been telling people like, yeah, you're going to starve. Like you need to, you need to go out there and work. Otherwise, you know, people know they don't want to starve. Um, and, and I'm going out. And so, you know, people need to stop making such a big deal about it. If I'm out there at the supermarket, why, why can't other people go out? Um, and so just giving like the absolute permission, you know, to do all of the wrong things and, um, going totally against everything that science and specialists are, are telling us to do. Um, and that's been his approach the whole time. And he just keeps, he just keeps doubling down and doubling down and doubling down. Um, you know, it's it's not always a, a perfectly a straight line because you know he's chaos, just like Trump is. Like his brain can't can't focus for long enough to like always be consistent in his messaging. But in general, it's just been trying to undercut the um, governors and and the um, and the mayors, trying to undercut the Congress who's trying to pass measures. Like there was an emergency um, relief bill that was going to give people. Um, the equivalent of like $118 um, per month for three months uh, for tens of millions of people who, you know, informal sector workers. And his government was just fighting against it and fighting against it. And they wanted to make it just like um, 200 reais, which is you know, 40 bucks. And then finally, when they saw that it was going to get passed, whether or not they supported it or not, in the very last minute, they said, uh, you know, the bill is supposed to be 100. And like, no, let's make it 118. Um, just so that they could be the ones in trying to spin the narrative, they they, they pushed it up. They fought for more, and, yeah. Yeah, and then he <clears throat> he announced uh, he announced it on a Facebook Live uh, before uh, it got passed, as if it was you know his big accomplishment, which everyone obviously saw through, and the press didn't uh, didn't replicate. But his to his supporters, it looked like he was making this happen. But his his finance minister, his his solution. You know, this neoliberal uh, right-wing economist, Chicago boy, who was a former advisor to Chilean dictator Augusto Pinochet 40 years ago, his uh, approach to this is that we need to just keep doing neoliberal reforms and cutting government spending and cutting taxes and cutting regulations, and that's going to take us out of this crisis, which is insane, and nobody's doing that. Even, you know, everyone's a Keynesian now, except for this one guy who happens to be the most powerful man in, for the Brazilian economy, um, you know, much to the to the de de detriment and, and pain of all the millions of people that are suffering right now. But um, so he's, they've stuck with that. And, you know, he's, he's been going, he went to war with his uh, health minister who was saying, like, uh, this is a real virus and we need to have quarantine. And we can't just open everything up right now. We need to do certain stuff. You know, this minister was not particularly good. But by comparison, he was like a hero. You know, he was like the oracle that had all of the... Uh, right answers because he just said like this is a virus and we need to do things um, but at the same time like Brazil wasn't getting testing the data on the testing that we had was terrible they were not putting together a very good coordinated response he was uh, giving contracts no big contracts to companies that are you know friends of his and paying them well above the the market rates for supplies um, but you know, he was the hero of the country because by comparison, he was the guy that was standing up publicly to Bolsonaro and saying like, no, man, stop being crazy. Let's just do these very basic, obvious things. Um, and that, you know, battle between the two of them was going back and forth, back and forth for, for weeks um, and lots of like, you know, leaks to the press and little barbs and comments and uh, Bolsonaro talking about like whether he would fire him or not. And uh, it just became this you know, this launching pad for the health minister, um, Mandetta's um, uh, political aspirations. You know, he's a politician after all. Right. Yeah. He's not even I mean, he's not even really he doesn't really have a medical background. He's a politician. Um, who's he, now... he, has a, he was in the um, health insurance industry before. OK. Like health, OK. Health insurance um, executive. Um, so he he was basically forced Bolsonaro's hand to fire him because they had this whole, like the military wing of the government tried to like create this detente and, and put them, created like a, a working truce because, it, you know, you don't want to change the health minister in the middle of a pandemic. That's not right. helpful for anybody. And they created this detente and, and it was like Friday. They finally were like, okay, we're just going to like this, we can make this work for at least a little bit longer. 
And then as soon as they did that, on Sunday, he gave this big interview to uh, the biggest, you know, Sunday, like the 60 Minutes of Brazil, um, and which Bolsonaro hates them, by the way. He's been going to war <laughs> with this channel and this program. And, you know, he's talking shit about Bolsonaro. <laughs> and he didn't say anything wrong, but, uh, you know, it pissed off the military because they're like, we just spent all this time trying to, you know, make this work, and you're just totally, you know, being insubordinate. And for Bolsonaro, you know, he had to save face and he's he's all about, you know, respect and, and uh, hierarchy, just like uh, the same way Trump is, you know, loyalty. Um, and so he, he finally fired him. And Mandetta gave this, this, you know, very ebullient press conference where he was just like giving shout outs to all of his team and talking to everyone about, you know, morality and ethics and like how we all got to stick together and, and facts and, you know, we will overcome. Uh, clearly just like can't wait to launch his presidential campaign or at least become like the governor of the state that he's from or something like that. But uh, and then afterwards, you know, he's the guy who's who's supports quarantine. Right. After he leaves the press conference and all this applause from his staff, he goes to the back room and someone's recording and his staff is there to sing him like a goodbye song. And he's hugging and and singing with them and, and touching. No one's wearing masks. They're in a small, confined environment. Like, just obviously, you know, this is not the message that you've been, you know, you're being lauded for. You're right, totally right. breaking your own rules. Just showing, like, the level of stupidity and incompetence and, and lack of good judgment. Um, but, you know, this is the good guy. Um, and so since then, they fired him and he, he replaced him with this guy who's a a doctor and a health um health industry executive he's uh in uh, oncology cancer treatment um and he's been more willing to he's he also appears to believe that science is a thing that exists but he's more <laughs> willing to talk about you know a a scheduled um loosening of the quarantine if we put in these certain ta uh factors you have to increase testing and like do it in a more rational way rather than just turning it on but, you know, with uh, Bolsonaro uh, doing what he's done to undermine the response efforts um, and not providing aid to the states, which desperately need it, they're the ones that are, you know, deliv uh, delivering a lot of this, um, the health care. Um, we've had a situation where, you know, in Sao Paulo over Easter weekend, which is just a few weeks after this quarantine started, uh, there was already like about 50% um, adhesion to quarantine. So half the people are leaving their houses. And in Amazonas state, you know, the big state in the middle of the Amazon that's the size of Alaska, they had even less than that. And now Amazonas and Sao Paulo are two of the worst hit um, areas. And those are just the two stats that I have off the top of my head. But, you know, I think nationwide, a lot of people weren't following the quarantine. And that was especially true, at least, we you know, anecdotally, um, after Bolsonaro's first speech where he said that we needed to go out and, and work. Um, you know, we had staff that... In all of the neighborhoods, you could just see from one day to the other, just all of a sudden, like shops started opening and people started going out and people were saying, yeah, it's no big deal. Um, and so right now, you know, we were a little slower um, on the, the curve, we're a little behind the U.S. in the curve by a couple of weeks. But we're having, you know, health systems in various states that are well over capacity. They're turning away patients that are in critical need of care, um, having to do, you know, the the rationing of care, who gets a ventilator, who doesn't, who gets a bed, who doesn't. Days long wait here in, in Rio where I am. And um, it's just, it's it's tragic. And, and the, you know, even the, the the health minister, the former health minister, and, you know, the, is acknowledging that all the data is totally underreported. The data is very poor quality. You know, it varies from one day to the next. And they're saying that maybe um, one, only one in 10 cases are being reported. And the number of deaths, you know, at least just for um, SARS-type deaths, um, there's three times more undetermined or under-investigation deaths than there are deaths officially um, attributed to coronavirus. Wow. So the numbers that we have, which are already quite bad, are likely much, much worse. And that's, that's just, you know, the people that went to the hospitals, too. That's not even the people that are dying at home. Um, so it's a... It's a disaster. I mean, it's a disaster like it is, um, like it was in Italy, like it is in the United States. And we're, we're starting to get into seeing how, how bad it actually is here. It's only going to get worse. Um, we're going to be a little bit behind. 
but it, it looks like Brazil's becoming one of the global hotspots for this disease because of a complete lack of political leadership um, in the face of this pandemic. You know, it's a it's a developing uh, country, a mid middle income country. It's it didn't have all of the resources it needed from the in the first place. So it's always going to be a tough go of it. Uh, you know, there's some places in Brazil that are very very remote, very very poor, but it didn't have to be like it is. You know, they've made it much worse. If you had to characterize, you know, uh, or or give a a reason why Bolsonaro has reacted this way. I mean, we've seen many other kind of not terribly popular leaders benefit from, uh, you know, this sort of combined rally around the flag effect from a, a situation like this, from a crisis like this. There's uh, the appearance of competence. I mean, you know, Giuseppe Conte's popularity shot up dramatically in Italy. Angela Merkel's popularity has come up a little bit in Germany. Um, even uh, AMLO's popularity in Mexico, you know, kind of ticked down at first because he also initially seemed to respond with like, the, this isn't really a big deal. Don't worry about it. And But he changed his tune and kind of, you know, went fully, uh, fully in on uh, containment measures. And his popularity, you know, recent polling suggests it's come up quite a bit. Bolsonaro has, ran as a populist. He, he had... Uh, there was a ample, seems to me, opportunity for him to seize the the moment here and kind of rise to the occasion. Did he choose not to do that because he was aping Trump, or is there some, you know, is he worried about his financial backers and you know worried about what what could happen to him uh, if the economy takes a hit, more, even more so than uh, you know what it looks like now that there are bodies piling up and and uh, uh, you know what what what's driving this sort of bizarre frankly uh response on his part or is it just this is who he is like this is what he is well i don't think we really know for sure exactly what it is and it's probably like a whole slew of things together you know Bra brazil is always that way any sort of explanation you want to give is just like the answer is well it's complicated um <laughs> but <clears throat> you know i think psychologists are saying now that the the way that their patients and people in general are reacting to this uh, crisis is that it's it doesn't you know create problems it just it exacerbates and it, it amplifies the the existing character traits of people and and uh you know it's it's exposing the the flaws and fault lines and in the case of bolsonaro i think it's just showing that you know yes he's lumped in with trump he's lumped in with all these other you know right-wing people that people in their country say are, are crazies but i think he really is like that much crazier than the others and maybe that less that much less intelligent um I think in the beginning he was just following Trump and the other right wing, just taking cues, and it, you know it fits into their narrative of of denying what the mainstream media is saying, denying what science is saying, going their own way, you know, being the 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 renegades as as they see it, and being able to craft their own narrative. I think at the beginning they they thought that they could try to spin it just like Trump did to um, for for economic reasons and for little, for political reasons. It's an election, it's a midterm election year in Brazil right now. Um, and then, but then everyone else saw, you know, the writing on the wall that they really needed to change their, their, their narrative. And, you know, in Italy, they, they had the campaign in Milan that the right wing was, uh, pushing, which was, um, you know, Milan can't stop. And they did this advertising campaign. And since then they've apologized. And after they apologized, Brazil launched their own campaign that said, Brazil can't stop. Um, and they were citing Italy as this positive example. The Bolsonaro kids were posting, you know, this example, uh, ignoring the fact that they had apologized and said this was a terrible mistake and we, we shouldn't have done this. Um, they just, you know, insisted on not blinking. And I think there's the finance minister uh, who's very influential, Paulo Gages, um, has, bears part of the blame. I think uh, Bolsonaro is just like, everything is very, you know, personalized for him and so if his health minister is is the enemy and he's and, you know Bolsonaro's very paranoid and so if the health minister is the enemy and he's saying this and I can't come around and start saying what he's saying if the two if the governors of Rio and Sao Paulo who he thinks are probably going to be two of his biggest rivals in the 2022 presidential election if he stays around for that long um, are saying you know we have to do quarantines and like I'm not going to you know bow down and admit that they're right because um, I'm going to lose credibility um, and, you know, his base 
will do whatever they love you know there, there's a there's flat earthers in his base there's you know anti-vax people in his va base there's people that think that uh you know the economist is is an econ is a communist publication literally i mean they there's this like this growing list of like who's a communist in Brazil, and it's and it's like a, it's become a huge joke, like a meme. But <laughs> on the list is the Economist, um, and you know plenty of people that are to the right of them as well. Um, and I think that it's probably has to do. It's you know it's not. Um, I don't think it's well tested. I don't think they're having like scientific uh, focus groups that are telling them exactly like no, you need to stick to this. I think it's he's shooting from the hip with the advice of his sons and the crazies that have stuck around as his, <laughs> in his circle of, of, you know, trust that are the, so Bolsonaro has three main um, uh, pillars of support for his, for himself in Brasilia, you know, uh, traditional uh, political institutions. There is the, the center, center right, um, who is, you know, very anti-PT, anti-workers party, anti-Lula. They, they wanted anything that could get uh, Bolson, that could get Lula out of power and in jail and not let his party get reelected. And so that's represented a lot by Sergio Moro, the, the justice minister who resigned, who was the judge of the car wash operation that, you know, broke and bent all the rules and the laws to get uh, Lula arrested and then took this position in the you know cabinet of the the guy who benefited from that arrest um the second one is the you know the oligarchs and the international financial markets that's represented by paulo gedges he's the you know they're the ones that want slash cut reform you know and uh, cut pensions cut workers rights cut taxes cut uh bureaucracy um and just make it a great country to invest and you know like roll back you know slave labor laws and all that too you know it's not just the it's some really intense, serious stuff, including, you know, uh, environmental regulations. And then the third base is the military, which this in 2018 was the year they decided like they were going to come out in full force and, and try to get um, get into politics democratically um, and play a bigger role. And so they rode the coattails of Bolsonaro, even though Bolsonaro was never someone they actually liked or respected, even though he's a former military guy. You know, he was always insubordinate. He actually, uh, when he was a young man, he... He tried and plotted a failed um, uh, insurrection um, in a military barracks. He like wanted to plant a bomb in a military barracks. It didn't go off. Um, and then <laughs> from the fame that he came, came gained from that in the eighties, he he was elected city council in Rio, and then from there, I became a congressman. Like that's oh that's gosh. the origin of his political Jesus. career. So the military, you know, doesn't like the doesn't like guys who are trying to plant bombs in their barracks, right? Uh, but they they realized that he was uh, you know their their means to this this end, and a huge portion of the most important um, uh, roles in this government are now being occupied by the military. And every time that he has a falling out with someone in the political sphere, usually a military person comes in and, and takes over that role. So they've had a growing role over and over. And so, you know, Moro's out. And so there's these anti-PT people are, are flaking, particularly in the media, like Global, which is the big, powerful, the biggest uh, media outlet. But at the same time, you know, there's the one, the, a lot of them, you know, didn't want the PT because they were winning, and that's the one that most people vote for, so they need to find a way to get rid of them. Um, but, uh, you know, many of them also have their own corruption issues that they, they, they didn't, maybe the movement is represented by Moru publicly, but in, you know, in the, in the back room, there's, there's people that are, you know, threatened by Moru's um, investigations. And so, they haven't fully jumped ship right now. They're kind of negotiating with Bolsonaro about like, okay, Moro's gone, so like maybe we won't, you know, impeach you if you're willing to give us some some uh, positions and we can get rid of all these, uh, you know, laws that he's trying to push through that you know could get us sent to jail <laughs> and make our lives a little easier. Um, the you know the finance folks are they're pulling out their money. Uh, there's been a huge a huge um, withdrawal of foreign capital from Brazil um, this year. The the market is down, I think, 38% since this year, since it's all-time high in January, and the exchange rate has gone up astronomically. Like, it was in the threes last year, to three highs and change to the dollar, 3.4, 3.6, I think the end of the year was like 3.8. Right now it's 5.5 or something, highs to the dollar, so the, the, the currency is just, is just collapsing uh, in a way that no one ever really thought that this was gonna happen. Um, and they're talking, you know, UBS said that it could go up to seven something um, by the end of the year or next year. So 
and, and you know he's doing some reforms that both that Paulo Gadges is against right now. He's he's doing some stimulus spending um, that the military said uh, convinced him to do. So like, there's all this shattering of his of his support and his traditional structures. Um, but the, the his true base, you know, the one that's closest to his heart, the one that he listens to time and time again, are the far right wahoos, you know, the the crazies, the the flat earthers, the online you know, militia, the online attack squad, the ones that... His sons, in other to, words. Yeah, which are represented by his sons and they have, you know, have his ear. Um, and they, you know, the, the foreign minister is is representative of this of this group. And they're, they're like thought leaders, this guy named Olavo de Carvalho, who's a, uh, a just insane... Uh, he calls himself a philosopher um, and he runs these courses online. Well, he lives in Virginia. Um, and he runs his course online, he smokes a pipe. He said that um, the earth doesn't revolve around the sun. He said that uh, Pepsi is, is sweetened with uh, fetuses. He said that, um, what's another good one? He says so many crazy things. I mean, he said the Pepsi is sweetened with fetuses, right? And then yeah, he says it in a video. And then you say, he, you just said that Pepsi is sweetened by fetuses. No, I didn't. You're <laughs> misinterpreting me. That's insane. You know, these people always try out to get me. Um, and that's the that's like the way that he's been going so he's got these four options of like which way that he could which path he could follow and everyone wants him to go their path and you know the the center-right media and the international press uh always the business press particularly wanted to be like oh you know he's going to moderate once he becomes gets into office and you know he really represents these these um what we want him to represent and i'm sure it'll just it'll he'll change and then you know he never changes because this is the guy who he is this is the guy who he was he's always been this way he's been the you know the the nutty guy in the sidelines that no one took seriously that he was you know uh he was on this comedy program because they, they gave him all this a uh, free airtime you know 10 years ago or six years ago because he he would just say the craziest things and they thought it was funny because he was he was a joke. It was a joke about how bad the Brazilian Congress was. Um, and now he's <laughs> the president, and he's burned his bridges with everybody that's you know halfway sane that was willing to ally themselves with him. And and now here we are stuck with the, the crazy guy, um, <laughs> who's also you know almost certainly uh, a criminal. Like there's so many things that are. The, the the walls are, are closing on him in, in multiple ways, him and his sons, all these different investigations that are going on into their you know, allegedly illegal activities, um, which include like suspicion of being involved in a political assassination, suspicion of um, embezzlement of, of government funds to fund uh, illegal construction projects by these mafia gangs that are, you know, uh, run murderous extortion rackets and all these other um, criminal enterprises, and you know, employing their their family members in the in their offices, using their offices to have these. They're called ghost employees. You know, you you hire someone, but they don't actually have to show up to work, and then you take a big portion of their salary as a kickback, and so it's a way of of embezzling public funds for people who have political offices because you get like 30 people that you can fill your office with. You don't need 30 employees. So you put like you know the wife of a of a uh, paramilitary militia gangster in your office. She never shows up, and you get some of the money back. And then you use, and you use that money. This is the case of his son Flavio, the senator, um, when he was in the state senate, the state congress. Um, they use that money to invest in these schemes, which then you know pay back once they start renting them out or selling them. And then he gets he gets these legal funds and then he uses them to, and he has to launder the money somehow. And so there's this big investigation to that that's going on that's very, making them very nervous. And they've tried multiple times to get it stopped through like the Supreme Court and through the, the federal police and change, they changed the head of the federal police in Rio. Um, but you know, it's just, this thing is too big. It's, it's got too much tension, whatever they do, it can slow it down, but it's, it still keeps moving forward. Um, and then the other big one is uh, his son, Carlos is the leader, but also his son Eduardo who's involved. Carlos is the city councilman in Rio, and Eduardo is a um, a federal congressman, a lower house of Congress. That they're using government employees to to run like an on. It's called a they call it an online um, a digital militia, which basically they it, and it's the nickname of the group is the the Office of Hate, 
where they take these public employees that are being paid by taxpayers and they use them to do attacks on on the Supreme Court, on other Congress members of Congress, on you know media, on any, anyone who they consider to be their enemy, and they use like these elaborate uh, bot networks, and they they push stuff out on WhatsApp, and they you know each one of these uh, times that they push out a message, it costs you know five thousand dollars or however much, depending on what which way they're using it, which which technology they're using. And, you know, where's that money coming from? It's, it's almost certainly coming from public funds. So the Supreme Court has ordered the federal police to investigate this. And the Congress is having a you know, joint uh, inquiry into it that's, that's been, that's continues to go on. They're, they're trying to get that shut down. They're trying to get the federal police to stop investigating. And when Moro resigned, um, the, the big thing that he threw, the big piece of red meat that he threw out into the public to, that could be used to impeach Bolsonaro is that he said that Bolsonaro was using was trying to interfere in ongoing investigations to um, to fire the, the the head of the federal police, like the FBI, the equivalent of the FBI, um, because of investigations into him and his allies. And part of the evidence that he he revealed the he leaked prints of conversations that he had with Bolsonaro and with an ally that's in Congress. And one of the prints was he Bolsonaro sent him a link. To an article that said um, that the federal police is on the tail of 10 to 12 pro Bolsonaro uh, members of Congress, and he sends a link and he just said one more um, reason to to make the change. The change being the the director of the federal police, and Moro responds like, you know, the Supreme Court ordered this. They ordered they ordered the investigation. They ordered you know uh, breaking the privacy. They ordered the seizures they you know the supreme court is doing this not it's not the director like it's not his fault that it's happening um and and when bolsonaro was questioned by a uh, reporter saying like like are you trying to you know put your friends uh friends of your family into the federal police you know to interfere politically he goes so what um, <laughs> like i should, I should put, put in friends of who then Right, right. Yeah, I saw um, that. It was sort of like, you know, who do you want me to hire if not uh, one of my cronies? Like, these are my friends. Why shouldn't I? Yeah, and the other, the, the pro-Bolsonaro congresswoman who um, is in the middle of this, Moro leaked a conversation with her. She's like acting as a go-between. Um, she's not, she's not the brightest, okay? <laughs> put it nice, <laughs> put it kindly. And she's been going, doing press to try to, like, you know, run blocking for Bolsonaro. But in, in doing so, she's been inadvertently admitting to crimes, right? Oh <laughs> like, she's God. been inadvertently admitting <laughs> to the fact that Bolsonaro did, in fact, want to interfere politically. But she right. said, I think this one just came out today when we're recording, recording on Monday. She said, like, oh, um, yeah, but he, w he was interfering not because he wanted to know information about other people. He wanted to know information about investigations into himself. You know, it's just about him. It's not about others, so therefore it's okay. Oh, yeah, like, that makes sense. No, it that's better. the definition of like, Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Um, no, and I, I mean, I, it's, it's fascinating. The guy he, he appointed to, uh, as the new head of the federal police, uh, used to be the head of the Brazilian intelligence agency, who is like a good friend of Carlos bolsonaro <laughs> like it just couldn't be more obvious like it's not you're not even trying to create the impression of uh, impartial dealing here like you're just leaning into the 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 whole corrupt picture it's it's fascinating yeah he he wants to appoint the guy who he appointed to be the director of like the our equivalent of the cia um because it also has certain limitations in like what like domestic spying you can do um and so he's taken the guy that uh, used to be the director of the CIA and, and wants to appoint him, trying to appoint him to be the director of the federal police, which, you know, they're, they're trying to get blocked and overturned in Congress and in, in the courts. But, you know, it's already a scandal that this guy's the director of the, you know, the, the Brazilian CIA, right? <laughs> he's not particularly yeah, qualified. Really, I mean, he has, like, he has a background it, yeah. in the area, but like... It's clearly like, are you going to tell me that this guy wasn't passing information to Bolsonaro's? I mean, I, I don't know if this is true. Obviously, uh, we, need, we need investigation to this. But like, the reasons why you should worry that he's the director of the federal police, the same reasons you should worry that he's already the director of the intelligence agency. Right, right. Um, and it's just like, this is, you know, right now in the U.S., everyone's talking about the, the lesser two evils, right? Voting for Biden instead of voting for Trump. Like, 
the, in Brazil, there's only lesser two evils. There, there is no alternative. That is it. It's like it's either evil or evil. And, you know, <laughs> right now you have people from the right and uh, from the left, including the guy who lost to Bolsonaro in the last election, um, you know, asking for him to renounce. And if he renounces, uh, resigns um, from the presidency instead of doing this whole drawn on impeachment, it's just going to be a his vice president, who's this guy named Hamilton Moreau. He's the he was a, a retired general. He was um, like pushed into retirement because he kept saying that he was in favor of a military coup um, under the Dilma <laughs> years, and so they they finally convinced him to retire. Like he was removed from his command. Oh then he kept talking, and they convinced him to retire. He's like, oh, if you if you go into the reserves, then you can run for office. And he goes, oh, okay, well that's a good idea. Then I'm gonna <laughs> Um, right. I mean, it's the thing, like, Bolsonaro has, has expressed admiration for Brazil's military government, he, but he has, hasn't said, like, I'd be cool if there was a military coup now. Like, he's well, only kind of done it. He, he's at least been, I guess, savvy enough to say, only kind of frame this in, in a sort of historical way. Like, boy, things were nice when the military was in charge. But morale That's not like true anymore, though. I mean, it, that, that used to be true, sort of. Uh, but it was always, like, a very, like, uh, poorly kept secret that he was obviously in favor. But, you know, two Sundays ago, he went to this rally. That's true. Yeah, you're right. You're a, right. a violation of the, of the national security law, um, which is, you know, against, you know, promoting a, a coup, where you can see pictures of him standing in a truck talking to this group of people where they're holding banners that say um, intervention militaria, like a military intervention now, basically, let's have a coup. And other people holding banners saying uh, AI5, which is the, the famous um, decree that was passed during the dictatorship that basically tightened the police state and, and basically went to war against all enemies of the state and you know, opened the, way, the door for you know, widespread torture and, and you know, atrocities. Um, and he's sitting there, he's standing there speaking to them and he says in the thing, I'm here because I believe in you. Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to say that he, I mean, he's not coming out and saying, let's have a coup, but he's saying it in everything. Every other way. Every other way. Exactly. Uh, this is where, I mean, you know, I wanted to, to ask you where you kind of see this going. I mean, with Moru's resignation, uh, you've already, you know, talked about this. It's sort of. Uh, really was is a hammer blow to uh, Bolsonaro's kind of electoral coalition. Uh, and to a big chunk of that coalition, uh, Moro may have even been the more kind of uh, uh, imposing figure in a sense, you know, given his uh, role in kind of destroying the, the Workers' Party and, and sending Lula to, to prison. Um, which is something you know you've covered in some detail at the Intercept, and and uh, you know we talked about last time you were on the program. Um, what the 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 options at this point are you know either um, you know Bolsonaro somehow just rides this out to another election. Uh, there is some kind of a military coup, which either you know, gets rid of the the enemies of Bolsonaro or sort of sidelines Bolsonaro himself. I mean, there was that rumor that went around, uh, you know, when he was really at the peak of his uh, bizarre behavior around the, the coronavirus that he'd been mm-hmm. kind of in the back, kind of back room sidelined by the military and that his chief of staff, uh, Walter Neto, was, was running, you know, things in a, the sort of day-to-day uh, basis. Uh, there is his the possibility of him resigning, but morale, uh, you know, having morale take over seems indistinguishable almost from having a, a military coup. Uh, uh, you know, I wonder, like, there, there is sort of this uh, precedent that's been set in Brazil with the impeachment of Dilma Rousseff uh, that you can find a reason to impeach a president just because that president's lost popularity basically that you can scrounge around and seize upon something that you can use to impeach uh the president i wonder if the the left or even not just the left but uh the the whole you know kind of range of opposition to bolsonaro would even be interested in impeaching him or if there's a concern that things would be worse uh in fact if he were removed and so i sort of 
uh, you know, where do you see this kind of playing out? So there's a few options, right? There's uh, the option that there's everyone comes to their senses and realize that this guy is terrible and they and they um, move forward with, with the impeachment process and they take him out and then the vice president, uh, Hamilton Moreno, becomes president and it's basically a de facto military government, um, even more so than it already is. The other option would be that, you know, they find some sort of uh, leverage powerful enough over Bolsonaro. They're able to convince him to resign. You know, the military, the, the center uh, coalition um, of multiple parties comes together and they all say, like, listen, man, you're done. And if you don't leave now, then we're going to, you know, get you thrown in jail or something. Or we're going to reveal this secret that we have on you. Um, and then he resigns, which I think is probably the least likely, but who knows, honestly. Um, the third option is that he's able to negotiate with, I mean, he's, he's dumb, but he's not stupid, right? Like he's, he's gotten this far. Um, the, so the third option would be that he's able to negotiate with the center. It's called the big center, the centro, um, which is like, these are the people that never um, get elected to president, but they, they hold all the power together in, in Brasilia. And they're generally very corrupt and generally, you know, representatives of the old oligarchical families and their interests. And they just are, they just trade their support for, um, for positions that they're able to use to siphon off, um, you know, corruption basically through major government, uh, organizations. So right now the Centro is in this, this process of negotiating with, with Bolsonaro to, to not impeach him. And he's offering positions, like uh, one member of the Centro who actually, he rejected it and he spoke publicly about it, everyone else is kind of being a little more quiet, said that he was offered the port of Santos, like the, the uh, running the port of Santos, which is the, it's the state of Sao Paulo, it's the biggest port that opens, that runs to the biggest uh, city in the country and the, the main economy. And so there's tons of commerce that goes through there. There's lots of ways to do, you know, smuggling. And there's lots of money that goes in and out of there that you could use uh, if you were so disposed to, you know, through corruption. Um, and other positions are being negotiated, including, you know, Moro's position and, and all the people that, you know, were loyalists to him below him. Um, and what, one thing that they really want is to make sure that any of the anti corruption reforms that Moru and the people, the things that he represented were trying to push forward, uh, get, get canned and that they, they roll things back to the way they were so that, you know, basically they have immunity and they're, you know, they don't have to worry anymore about these, these pesky, um, prosecutors or laws that are, uh, you know, we're ruining their schemes for them. So if they th decide that they've got a better go at it with, with Bolsonaro, then they're going to uh, block impeachment and he can continue to run the, the country. Um, and they'll get what they want, which is basically everything that he campaigned against. You know, he campaigned as the anti-corruption president, which was a joke from the beginning. It was obviously a joke, but a lot of the right-wing media you know, repeated it and a lot of people bought into it because they wanted to believe it. You know, they wanted to believe that with Moru and Bolsonaro, who doesn't come from this, you know, this political elite, that they were going to be able to change Brazil and, you know, get rid of corruption, which is something that everybody wants. Everyone wants to get rid of corruption. Who likes corruption in Brazil? It's, it's causing problems. The only people that likes it are the people that are, you know, receiving money from it, right? Um, which is most of Brasilia. Um, and he's clearly just willing to, you know, he's never interested in anti-corruption, especially when you see his son is is, uh, you know, being investigated for a massive embezzlement scheme that involves, you know, one of his own closest allies and his, you know, he, he has a check that the, uh, the son's deputy, who's like the center of the scheme, wrote a, a $10,000 check to his wife, to Bolsonaro's wife. Like, uh, maybe this guy isn't so interested in, in uh, you know, ending corruption in Brazil. So if he's able to make that negotiation and work it out, then he's gonna, then he'll survive and he'll keep going for now. Um, but, you know, like I said, Globos wants him out. The former president, Fernando Henrique Cardozo, who's a big voice in the Centro, uh, has said that he should resign. Uh, all the left parties are together in that, although they're pretty weakened. Um, and 
I think the, the general public opinion of him is, is tanking. He has only like a 20% good or positive, good or great approval rating right now and like 50% negative, um, which is much is like basically the inverse of where he was when he started. Um, and it's just, like I said, it, it's, <laughs> there's, there's no good option here. So, um, I saw, I mean, there was polling, it was, it's old now. I mean, it was a, a few weeks ago that, you know, his approval rating was tanking, but there was still a majority, uh, that didn't want him to resign. I, I suspect maybe that's changed or, you know, is shifting in the other direction at this point since things haven't gotten better and in fact have gotten yeah post-mortos removal that's going to go down um yeah majority (laughs) people didn't want to change because they didn't you know the same reason they didn't want to change the health minister you know they didn't want to right you know change the wheel on a moving car Um, yeah they just want the the wheel to to shut up and start working right (laughs) (laughs) perfect metaphor (laughs) that was very good yes very nice um Um, but yeah right now it's like it's getting to that point where it's just like no, no one. It's really hard to, to for anyone to support this guy. Sort of, yeah. You, you sort of, uh, even the disruption of changing horses might be better at this point. I don't know. Uh, do you think there's a the, or what? What role do you see Moro playing now moving forward? Is he going to become? Uh, is this like a you know welcome to the resistance moment for him? I know. I mean, there's got to be bad blood between him and the left, given especially the revelations that you guys uncovered, you know, that, that he basically uh, managed the prosecution of Lula, even though he was supposed to be impartially, uh, you know, presiding over the case. There's got to be some bad blood there, but is there enough kind of common ground now? That, and, and given what he can say about Bolsonaro and how damaging he, he could be, is, is he going to become a, a, a major opposition figure now, or is he kind of burned his bridges? Yeah, welcome to the resistance moment is a very good uh, analogy, I think. And <clears throat> like, if you were to say, you know, if you're trying to keep this with the U.S., it, it'd sort of be like how the Democrats uh, put all their hope in Comey that he was going to take down Trump, um, because he's come out and he said that you know I've got the goods, I've got uh, information that could that can really hurt this president, and he's already started you know drip, drip dropping it out. Uh, it's exactly what he did against. Lula, when he was the judge in Curitiba and, and the car wash case, you know, he'd selectively leak information. Um, what's funny, you know, especially funny for us is that, you know, we reported on these leaked conversations between him and, and people from the car wash, the car wash investigators. And we were, uh, you know, brutally attacked by him and his allies and Bolsonaro for, you know, we were illegally leaking stolen information, supposed conversations. And uh, Moro had this amazing quote that, you know, a few weeks in, he's like, well, you know, these are uh, supposed conversations that we can't verify the legitimacy of. And, and so therefore we can't comment on them. But even if they were real, uh, it would appear that, you know, even uh, the things that they're exposing aren't really a big deal anyway. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a problem if they were real, but they're not. Um, it's just like, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, and but always attacking us for, for leaking information, saying that, you know, leaking information is just a cowardly thing that, uh, you know, criminal and you can't do that. And, you know, the sanctity of conversations, blah, blah, uh, you know, especially, you know, a high government official. This is so serious. And here he is now leaking conversation uh, that he had with the president. Um, and, you know, when we publish our stuff, you know, the, the media that was mainstream media is more reticent to, you know, back us was saying, always referred to it as, you know, supposed conversations, alleged conversations, supposed conversations. Even, you know, uh, this, a few days ago, they still referring to it as alleged conversations. You know, it's like been so verified in so many different ways. Um, and now he comes out and he leaks this information, this conversation with the president. There's no supposed any, you know, everyone's buying it. Right. And the, the media is selling him, especially Globo, is selling him as if he were, you know, uh, God himself. Like he's just this hero that has come and is finally, uh, you know, presenting the information that the public needs as if, you know, as if he wasn't um, aware of and, and helping Bolsonaro um, with his, you know, defending him from all these crimes that he, he and his family are accused of, as if he wasn't, um, you know, uh, complicit in, in this system for ever since he took office um, last year. And now 
all of a sudden, uh, once it's no longer in his own personal interest, now all of a sudden he has you know grave concerns and he has things that he needs that for the public to know. Um, like I said in, the, in in his speech where he announced that he was quitting, he admitted to something that is almost certainly a crime. Uh, he said that he um, quit. That when when he took office, he only made one condition that he had kept secret, but now there's no reason to hide anymore. And it's that he said that if anything would happen to him, he would want a pension or for his family because you know he had been a judge for 22 years, and I think he was quitting just before he was able to get his you know his uh, uh, full salary pension. So he needed that guarantee from the president. Uh, there's no, there's nothing in the law or the constitution that says that, uh, you know, to take a public position, you're allowed to negotiate some sort of special compensation like that with, unless, you know, the Congress approves it, which it hasn't, we would know it would be public. So he's basically saying that I, you know, the anti-corruption crusader, when I, you know, negotiated my position as the justice minister for this, you know, uh, criminal president that I think is a terrible person now, the only condition I made was some sort of a legal compensation to help my family. Um, and no one is paying attention to that, right? Like everyone's focusing on the things he said that hurt Bolsonaro. Right. Like, let's just forget that because let's focus, let's focus here. Let's focus on the good stuff. Um, but it's clear that he has so much more ammo and that he's, he's a very, like if there's one thing he knows how to do, it's like, it's do these uh, machinations with the media and, and uh, with leaking information. And he's, you know, he went through being the subject of this um, himself last year through our reporting. And so he knows, you know, what to do. Um, and so he certainly has much more that he could deliver and he's, he's going to keep uh, dripping it out, I'm sure, unless, you know, there's some sort of big behind the backroom agreement. But it looks like he, you know, he wants blood and he's already given enough that they could, if, if the politicians decide that they want to, you know, take him out, they could take him out. At some point, um, I would, assuming that Bolsonaro survives as president long enough, I would like to have you back to talk about his sons, because they are a fascinating set of characters to me, uh, oh, wow. just completely kind of running roughshod over everything. Like, one of the comic things about, to me, has been in watching the the response to the pandemic has been, like, every time the Bolsonaro's government kind of seems to be warming up to China to negotiate deals to get medical supplies. Like, one of the Bolsonaro sons posts something on Facebook about how China's destroying, mm -hmm. you know, like, China's caused the <laughs> pandemic, and, you know, they're ruining everything, and it, like, completely resets the, the relations yeah. back to zero. It's just, like, they are, uh, you know, the Trump sons get a lot of attention for being, like, doofuses, but these guys, like, are beyond that to me. So at some point I would like to have you back to discuss them i think we have to we have to wrap it up here uh but but next time let's let's dig into these guys because they're a crazy bunch sure i mean they're yeah they're like the trump sons uh in that in their doofus like bumbling and their idiocy and like if you just google google eduardo bolsonaro fox news uh on youtube uh, and you will just see some of the clips of him talking and uh it's become like this huge meme because his english is just terrible and i don't i don't like to make fun of people for being bad at a second language because i speak in portuguese a lot and obviously mine's, my portuguese isn't perfect but he wanted to be the ambassador to the united states you know trump was trying uh bolsonaro was trying to get him to be the ambassador to the united states and he like he can't even it's just it's just gibberish it's it's hilarious and you'll have a great time in your in your quarantine if you if you google that um but also they're much more dangerous than the than the trump kids um you know the this this scheme, this criminal embezzlement scheme, working with uh, paramilitary death squads that Flavio Bolsonaro is is alleged to be involved in, um, you know the the main link, the main uh, you know uh, militia boss, uh, gangster, um, who is supposed to be you know the key to resolving all the questions here, he was uh, on the run for months and he was gunned down at the house of a city councilman in the state of Bahia, who is a pro-Bolsonaro um, uh, politician. Uh, they found him at his house and they, in this very strange circumstances, killed him with a point blank uh, rifle shot to the chest. You know, like this guy was almost certainly assassinated as, yeah. uh, as a way to, you know, 
to cover the tracks of this story. And a lot of other people that are involved in this have also been meeting um, unfortunate ends. Um, so these guys, you know, I don't know, we don't know if they had any involvement in it, but it, it was certainly worked to their benefit that, that this happened. Um, and they're, they're, you know, they're willing to play dirty. Um, so it's, and they're, they're hilarious and bumbling and stupid, but also quite dangerous. That's, that's not a good mix. Not a good mix. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, let's end things here. I think there's going to be a lot more to talk about, probably not that far into the future about this story because it's uh, developing quite rapidly. But Andrew Fishman, thank you for uh, coming on here to, to kind of give us the, the lay of the land right now. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been very depressing. <laughs> Excellent. Always happy to leave people on a on a good note there. And please, uh, you know, as you're you're there uh, in Brazil, not the friendliest environment. Please stay safe, both from the pandemic and from uh, the the Bolsonaro sons and their assorted uh, assorted uh, you know associates. We'll do our best. <laughs> Take care. Thanks. Bye bye. Once again, I would like to thank Andrew Fishman for coming on the program for a second time to walk us through the wild world of Brazilian politics. Uh, it's even wilder than normal <laughs> the last couple of weeks. Uh, check out his work at The Intercept, and if you read Portuguese, first of all, uh, I commend you for your skills. Uh, second of all, uh, check out his work at The Intercept Brazil. Uh, they're doing some amazing reporting, really holding Bolsonaro's feet to the fire, and uh, at, at not, uh, you know, inconsiderable peril to themselves, I might add. So I commend them and uh, the work that they're doing. And to you all, as always, uh, please stay safe, stay healthy, uh, and um, we will get through this. Uh, thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.